When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute provides educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12, first-person curriculum with video, Discovering Heroes book series for kids, and a speakers bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that transforms into an interactive museum with artifacts and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for exemplary high school students of program recipients preparing for college. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, I had a whole little intro plan for y'all, but the only thing you give a damn about this week, at least, is that Real Housewives of Beverly Hills trailer. Man, oh man, we all got thoughts. Some of us thought it was uh, raggedy and piss poor, more of the same that we've already seen. Some people are going up and it's up and it's up and it's stuck. Where do you fall in? I don't know. We about to find out. And guess what? My listeners have a whole lot of opinions on it, and you are going to split your damn pants laughing at their asses. It's the weekly reality TV roundup episode of me and you, the Housewives in Marvel 2. Let's do it. Hey, guys. This is the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture and your mama's favorite black geek. I'm Kendrick, host of the Me and You, the Housewives and Marvel 2 podcast, a podcast that, through my own random and winding rants, discusses everything related to pop culture. Everything from reality TV to the MCU to the DCEU to all of the hot topics being discussed on CNN, NBC, BET, ABC, and 123. Grab your wine glass, sit back, and get ready to cuss and fuss right along with me. Woo! I don't know how many of my listeners are Family Karma fans, but if you're not, if you haven't watched yet, Let's all just do a rewatch together. The new season starts in June on Bravo and Family Karma is everything to me. They released a trailer this week. Of course, it got a little 
a little lost behind Beverly Hills. People didn't give a damn about it as much as they should have. Y'all should be caring. Care about it. Hemi. <laughs> but go ahead. Go back and watch it with me. Let's just all go back and rewatch the first season. If you've never seen it, watch it for the first time. You're going to fall in love with the characters. Everybody is the bomb. You're going to love it. Oh, let's go ahead and talk about that Beverly Hills trailer because that's been the only thing that's been on anybody's mind, anybody's mind this entire week. Now, do we think that it's more of the same? I don't know. Do we think that, you know, we're going to get some some new players in the mix that are actually going to mix it up and have more than one storyline this season? I don't know. But my listeners damn sure had a whole lot of thoughts about it. Let me tell you. Let me first get into Sharice. Sharice has some thoughts on this trailer. And honestly, she's as not pessimistic. She's as cautious. That's a good word. She's as cautious as I am. We've seen Beverly Hills give us great trailer year after year after year. And then it's usually a whole season of them harping on one damn storyline because they don't know how to how to transition like the other franchises. I don't know. You know what? Let's get into Sharice. She can vocalize it better than me because honestly, y'all know I've been saying for years, let's get rid of the California housewives altogether and give me some new cities. But Sharice, tell them your opinion. Hey, hey, this is Sharice from Chicago. So my thoughts about Beverly Hills, it is good on paper, bad in bed. It looks like it's going to be spectacular but will they own it the houses possibly the bags of course the actions never so i i don't know i i am excited and i will tune in because sutton finally got the diamond that she deserves this gives me hope for marlo possibly i'm also excited about this new housewife but um will erica jane actually let it all out of course not because legally i feel like she can't Will Lisa Renna really keep it real with her daughter about Scott Disick? Maybe. Will Kyle do splits? Of course. I don't know. I just, I want, I want good energy. I'm excited. I want, I want the wealth back and I want them to have more than one storyline. That is my hope. That is my prayer. Okay. Bye. Sharice, that too is my prayer. Now, will that prayer be answered? Who the hell knows? (laughs) You know, Beverly Hills has never been a thing of God. It has always been of Lucifer. So we'll see. A few things I noticed from the trailer. One, it felt like it was 90% about Erica, 10% divided amongst the rest of the cast. And now, would I rather see Erica's storyline play out than them trying to shove uh what's the the Scott and Amelia or whatever the hell Lisa Renner's daughter is shoving them down our throat yeah damn right I'm so sick of Lisa Renner using them daughters as storylines year after year first it was uh, uh giving your daughters bad self image because you be online naked dancing on Instagram all day star for attention uh then it's uh, utilizing her eating disorder for your storyline because you don't have shit going on. Then it's uh, now she dating Scott Disick. I mean, he da- slept his way through half of Hollywood. I'm so over there. I, I really don't care about that. So 
I'd much rather have Erica's storyline or seeing if she gonna go to jail or not than to deal with Amelia Hamlin. And I, I want to know if Harry Hamlin cheating. That's the storyline I want to know about. But don't nobody want to tell me about that for some odd reason. So I don't know. We'll, I don't know. The intro card, everybody looked good. Everybody looked good. I mean, I don't know what the, the theme was. Some people had on neons. Some had on you know, hushed, blush tones. It was a lot, I don't know. It was a lot, but I mean, they all, they individually, they all look good. There was definitely not a theme, but they, you know, they look good. Kathy Hilton was in the trailer. She looked rich as fuck, making folk feel poor as hell. Shout out to the Hilton Hotel brands. <laughs> uh, Crystal, I'm liking Crystal already. She don't seem like she a punk bitch. You know, sudden go try to punk you, but she sat there and smirked when she talked about them raggedy-ass, leather-ass pants she had on. I didn't even think the pants were that bad. Uh, Crystal, wear your pants. If you don't want to wear them, send them to me. I can't fit them, but I know some people that might, so I'll sell them to them. I can always use an extra dollar. Uh, the fact that Kim Richards revealed that she changed her number and then uh, give it to Kyle, now that was a gag. That's how you clear a bitch right there. When you make them find out you got a new number on national TV, that was funny as hell. Kim Richards has always been an asshole, but she's always been funny as hell, too. Lord have mer- Listen, the highlight of the trailer for me, y'all know I've been wanting Sudden to get her diamond, and she damn sure earned her diamond in this trailer because, you know, 90% was about Erica, but that, you know, Sudden got a good 5% in this trailer. At that end... When Erica told that girl to shut the fuck up after she told her, I'm not going to do anything. Now, that's how you clear a bitch right there. That's how you clear a bitch. I know the fuck that's right, Erica. Erica is about to be, ooh, that lady about to be going the fuck through it. And I'm ready to see because, you know, the the Bravo fans, we we had it out with Erica a little bit. You know, her. Uh, I'm not going to rehash history. Y'all know what she did. We know what she did. I don't see it for her. I haven't seen it for her in a long time. She appears to be earning that check. I know one thing, though. One thing that confused me about this trailer apparently confused Lily from Seattle, too. So let me throw it over to Lily because we had some questions about a couple of things. I really feel like you need to address on your podcast why Erica and Garcelle are sitting on that big pile of dirt while they're discussing Erica's divorce, embezzlement, etc. It's very important that this get investigated because it's very strange. Thank you. Look, (laughs) I couldn't come up with an explanation about this either. I will say that when I first watched the trailer, I was like, what the fuck are they sitting on? Yeah, it was a pile of dirt. I guess they went hiking. Uh, Erica so damn lost. She is such a lost soul now that she pretends to hike, I guess. I don't know, but her and Garcelle were sitting on a big pile of dirt. Garcelle asked that lady if uh, she'd get a divorce because she knew the lawsuits were coming. Garcelle, listen. That's why you my favorite on this show, because you ask the hard questions that the people want to know. You are doing the Lord's work, okay? That's why you and Sudden get along so well, because y'all two different types of messy, and I love every minute of that shit. Do you hear me? Do you hear what I am saying? Learn from this, okay? I love it all. I was about to call the Tyra. <laughs> Garcelle, I want you to ask these people 
everything on your mind. You know, I love that shit. You asked Lisa Renner if she was a terrible mother last year. We all were thinking it. We all were thinking it, but you the one that said it. I appreciate that shit. So we all assumed that Erica was getting divorced simply so she could, uh, you know, keep them minks and them furs and them cars and them jewels and them things. I don't know. We we assumed a whole lot of shit. So, oh, I, I need you to get to the bottom of Garcelle. If anybody can do it, you can. And you look good in that intro, all that thigh you was given. I know that's right. Before I get off of Beverly Hills, because I've been giving California way too much of my time. And y'all know I don't like to get a ha- the California housewives anything. That includes Beverly Hills and OC. You know, I don't too much see it for either one of them, but... Let me throw it over. Now, this comment here took me the fuck out. Let me throw it over to, of course, JV from Chicago. We're going to throw going back to Chicago. And let me let JV tell y'all his thoughts about this Beverly Hills trailer. Lord, be prepared. Hey, it's JV from Chicago. And I just watched the Beverly Hills trailer. And let me just say I am so happy that Erica Jane, my girl Erica, is finally, finally going to earn her check this year. I cannot wait. I am so proud of her. But I cackled in the part where she said I was going to hold his hand. She thought I was going to hold his hand till he died. I thought in my head, you probably didn't think it was going to take this long. Uh, But it is definitely going to be a season centered around her and a bunch of legal drama that they can't really talk about. Um, I really want her and Sutton to keep going back and forth because Sutton is about the only person that really does not care, which makes the best housewife because they have nothing to lose. Unlike all these other heifers is too worried about getting sued. Like Erica. <laughs> I felt that voice message in my spirit, okay? <laughs> it was petty as fuck, but I loved every minute. Listen, that cackle at the end, I know that's right. It's hard to watch somebody like Erica be doing all of these grand things season after season, talking about spending 50000 a month just on clothes and makeup and glam and all this stuff, and then all of this stuff come crumbling down. You the Jen Shaw of the West Coast. West Coast, I mean, I... This, uh, uh, it's too much. I don't. I don't want to, you know, revel in nobody's downfall. So let me move the fuck on. Let's go ahead and get into these uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta. Oh, I did something for y'all. Okay, see, y'all know I'm a professional now. I'm a professional when it comes to the podcast, and I'm a professional. Okay, I got some transitions for y'all. Let me transition over to the Real Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> Y'all better get into them transitions. We pick back up at Blaze Restaurant soft opening that Candy is doing. They all go inside to taste some of that delectable goodness that was on their table. All the delectable goodness that is Blaze. Blaze Steakhouse or Blaze Restaurant or uh, Blaze Eatery or whatever the fuck it's called. Before the food comes out, Shamia is handing out masks that she had like specially made for everybody there. And when she gives Marlo hers, that's when Marlo takes the opportunity to apologize to both Shamia and Portia. 
She actually did it in New Orleans, but remember, Portia hopped her ass on that plane and got the fuck up out of New Orleans before that storm came in. Shamia actually heard Marlo's original apology since Portia left her ass clean up in NOLA. <laughs> Shamia was still down there with uh, Tamika Lee and Rain, uh, what's her name, Reagan and all of the, uh, the Southern Charm New Orleans people. Meanwhile, Portia ass back tussy rolling down Peachtree Avenue and all that shit. Portia pays the apology dust. And they all go on to basically just start the little taste testing. They don't even get to the damn salads good before Kenya makes it all about her and pulls Candy aside to talk about her own life at Candy's soft opening. Child, with friends like Kenya, who the hell needs business rivals? I swear to God. She starts telling her about how Mark has come to town unexpectedly, apparently for Brooklyn's uh, birthday party. She's a nervous wreck and doesn't know what to do. Candy, once again, asks the straightforward questions that everybody is thinking. Uh, so you don't want to get a divorce? Kenya starts stuttering and tripping. Uh, uh, I, 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 uh, you, I don't, tripping over her words and shit. Candace says, well, why don't you just get a divorce? And Kenya says, I don't know, child. So now Kenya is crying at this lady event. And y'all know Candace just want to eat their food up, okay? Candace trying to pay attention while that lady crying. But she focusing on them damn uh, stuffed lobster rolls, them garlic crab noodles, the fried lobster jambalaya, the prawns, the steak, the macaroni and cheese. Ooh, Lord, Heavenly Father, give me some. Lord, give me some. I know next time I go to Atlanta, I'm going right the damn blaze, okay? Can you take your ass home so that damn lady can slurp and burp all over the damn food? Ain't nobody got time to be sitting up with you holding your damn hand while they, while they trying to, you know, can you just leave? Shit. Side note, that conversation with everybody at the table talking about, you know, oh my God, I'm so full. We're supposed to eat more. Oh my God. What am I? That's exactly why I don't go to wine tastings. Candace said it's a tasting, not a fulfilling tasting my ass listen if i'm at a food tasting or a wine tasting i'm eating and drinking everything you put in front of me hell i go to places to get full okay i don't go to places to stay hungry i'll go to get full if i go to a wedding that's only serving appetizers you best damn believe i'm moving my big ass to every pocket of that goddamn wedding venue to get appetizers from every single waiter and waitress i see shit i fuck around and uh get a to-go container and take some of that shit to go okay don't fuck around and have no good food at your wedding baby i'm making uh to-go meals i'm eating that shit for breakfast the next morning okay hopefully somebody next to me uh from the wedding eating it with me Ew. they start casually talking about new orleans again and when marlo starts talking about feeling bad about how she cut up in front of big frida and how she was texting portia to chad and to make amends she just didn't know that her ass was about to get set up, okay? <laughs> Portia said, oh, I, I actually meant to text you back and, you know, see how your back was doing. See, that's my favorite type of petty right there. That best friend petty, that best friend petty, that's a different type of petty. See, me and my cousins, we do this shit all the time. We have a huge, like, family group text message, an iMessage, whatever you want to call it, and... 
we also have like these smaller little side text message chains, you know, with just a select few of us. You know, everybody ain't invited. We don't want to talk to you, uh, Aunt Bertha. We trying to, you know, key key with the cousins, okay? Every now and then, something will pop up in that petty ass chat and tell us that, you know, one of us, one of our gossiping ass aunts said something or somebody found something out about this and then we'll tag team in that big group chat to see what the real T is. Okay. Now see, is it ultra petty? Obviously, but does it help quarantine go by a whole lot faster when you have small shit like this to focus on? Mm-hmm. Marlo said, Oh, you know, it's fine. I have a brace on. Portia said, Oh, you got a brace on from, you know, when he jumped on your back, Marlo said, yep. <laughs> and I couldn't even get lipo. Ain't that some shit? Now, see, Shamia, the best friend, you the bestie, okay? She said, but you've already had lipo. Marlo said, yeah, you know, I've had it twice. They start going back and forth, and finally, Candy jump up like, wait, huh? I'm confused as hell. What are y'all talking about? Marlo finally clarifies. She's like, no, I didn't get it recently, but then Shamia like, uh, we know somebody that used the same doctor, and we know that you've already had lipo, child. Then us detectives find out online that Shamir and Portia actually brought the girl to the event later on in the episode. You know, a la Cookie Lady, you know, our favorite kind of petty. But production didn't show it. See, that's the problem with Real Housewives of Atlanta nowadays. The cast is great. We can argue, you know, that up and down. I know. I still think the core four and Drew are a great cast. But... They could just add two new wives to freshen it up. Like, that's nothing. Pro, you know, plus COVID. I, I'm, you know, I'm letting a lot of slide this year. The problem with Atlanta, though, is the production. It's been super lazy for the past couple of years now. See, pay Carlos King to come back and get this shit together. Pay him to come back and get it together. But, make, but you know, make sure he's still working on a new season of Bell Collective and, you know, Love and Marriage Huntsville. All that's my shit, you know. Don't don't let him leave on. You know, he he killing them on shows. But tell him to come back just for the Real Housewives of Atlanta, okay? Okay, bye. <laughs> Child. The shade continues to get thrown, and Marlo actually, of course, exits early. At least this time she knew where the damn exit was because she, she couldn't get out of Big, Big Frida's restaurant to save her goddamn life. Side note, we get a quick scene of Kenya having a breast consultation with her, I guess, plastic surgeon or her normal go-to about, you know, lifting the breast and then reducing them to reduction, whatever. Keep in mind, all of this is happening over Skype. Now, Kenya... How the hell you know that man even got a damn medical license? You got your nannies all out on webcam for this man to see, and you don't even know if he really practicing medicine. See, he might be like uh, Toya Bush Harris from Merit the Medicine. Y'all remember last week, she gave Big Genie a shot in his ass, and now she running around probably claiming to be a doctor too. I'm not going to tell y'all again. Quit putting your titties online for these men to screenshot, okay? <laughs> this has been a public service announcement from the Itty Bitty Titty Committee. Also, that quick scene with Mike Hill and Cynthia Bailey weighing themselves was the funniest shit in the world. I'm just like Mike. I would have thrown that motherfucking scale in the garbage too. Bitch, quit playing with me. I paid all this money for this damn uh, high-tech Weight Watcher scale and you sitting up here giving me accurate results. Fuck y'all at Weight Watchers. Hell, y'all ain't helped. You know what? 
I was about to go in on Jennifer Hudson and Oprah. They they over there like now what now why am I in it? I ain't even did nothing. Shit, I know that's right, but I was about to give y'all ass a taste. Know that. We get to the scene of Drew and Ralph post workout, and basically this is our big setup for the episode and the finale. Drew tells Ralph that they'll need to find someone else to do the baby blessing because Prophet Lot isn't gonna do it anymore. They the way they edited this shit together was confusing as fuck to me. I'm so confused. Apparently, now try to follow me here. Apparently, Prophet Lot is no longer doing the baby blessing. And then Latoya's mom told Drew that, you know, she went and got a room for Prophet Lot. And then the next day, Prophet Lot had breakfast with them too, implying that I guess they slept together. But the mama said they also had dinner together the previous night. Where I, bitch, where I, I don't know. So they hunching. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I guess Latoya and the lot, they fucking, I don't know what's going on. I guess that's the gist of, you know, that's anything we need to know. At least enough to, you know, get through the finale hey, <laughs> and to get to the reunion. That's, you know, that's the ultimate goal of all Housewives seasons to get to the damn reunion. I don't know what's Drew's position is in this or what it has to do with her at all but she says the man is married or engaged or whatever and now he isn't and i get ultimately drew says she doesn't want that energy at her baby blessing and pays that man dust now look i'm confused as fuck about all of this but apparently i'm not not the only one eugene had a couple of quick now no not big genie not big genie from married to medicine i'm talking about other eugene that listen to my podcast genie genie okay eugene had a question about all of this too and we all just as confused as one another so we we gonna make it through this let's let's throw it to gene hey kendrick it's eugene from brooklyn long time listener first time commenter I want to know why Drew is so adamant about having her two-year-old non-baby be blessed by Prophet Lot. Like, doesn't Drew have her very own pastor mom living with her in a spare bedroom? Like, what better person to bless a two-year-old non-baby than that non-baby's own grandmother, who's a pastor? Why does she want some outside-the-family dude to bless her daughter instead? That's got to be for a storyline, right? I mean, listen, Eugene, Toya and Drew have really, and Bolo, have been carrying this season on their backs anyway, so I'm assuming it's got to be something with a storyline. I don't know. It's been confusing the hell out of me, but, you know, I guess they doing what needs to be done. They saying, look, we going to earn these checks regardless. I guess Latoya said I'm going to earn this $1,000 check either way it goes, so, hell, I guess I respect it, but on the other hand, if y'all are going to do this to us, at least explain it better because I don't know what the hell going on in Atlanta. I'm just saying jump forward to Cynthia and Portia's pop-up shop. I love that they invited all of these small black businesses to, you know, basically come and rebuild or stay out there during COVID along with all these small businesses. We have Cynthia. She has a booth, Portia. She has a booth, Drew and Ralph. They have a booth. And then Kenya, who isn't there for some odd reason, I guess them titties needed time to heal. I don't know. She has a booth as well. Somebody just set her stuff up for her. Portia, listen, I love, (laughs) y'all know I love that Portia moment, but 
Portia in this damn this damn pimp coat that she comes in wearing. You know, she the same pimp coat she had on when she met Dennis for drinks and dinner that one time. Listen, Portia, I'm so sick of this damn a pimp named Slickback ass coat you've been wearing. And it didn't help that she had on a purple dress too because I started picturing Money Mike from Friday up the next. <laughs> I'm just saying. At some point, Marlo shows up and goes booth to booth to booth, supporting everybody that's there. She goes to Portia's booth, and the interaction is just weird. It's weird. Marlo buys a king-size sheet set and says, you know, oh, any color, that's fine, child, any color. That lets y'all know right now that she ain't putting them damn sheets on her bed. (laughs) Portia must have caught that shit, too, because Portia wasn't feeling that. Listen. I hear them Porsche, what is it, them pampered by Porsche sheets are comfortable as hell. So at least put them on the, you know, that in them any damn color ass sheets. Put them in the guest room. You know, let the let the guests be comfortable. I heard they're comfortable. So, I mean, maybe I should buy some. Okay. I'm going to buy some pampered by Porsche sheets. And I'm going to put them somewhere in my house. Not necessarily on my damn bed, but I'm going to put them somewhere in my house. And then I'm going to report back to y'all if they soft or if they feel like, uh, uh, sandpaper being rubbed through the devil's ass or something. I don't know. We go find out. I trust Portia. Oh, Portia, I trust you. We go. Uh, I'm gonna report back to the people though. I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest. I'm gonna be honest, Portia. Okay. Candy shows up and she gets filled in by Drew regarding the whole Latoya and Profit Lot situationship. I guess. Drew also mentions that Latoya didn't come to the Blaze restaurant opening see Messy because she knew that Drew had found out about her and the Prophet. Latoya ends up showing up not too long after and gives Candy the excuse of, you know, oh, I was out with my assistant and we ran out of time and yada, yada, yada. And Candy was like, no, I heard you fucking a new man. That's what I heard. See, that's what Candy said, not me. That's when she brings up the Prophet. Cynthia bring her ass over there and pulls them to the wine cellar where Drew, Shamia, and Portia are already sitting drinking and getting drunk. They ask Latoya why she didn't bother coming to the Blaze thing, and that's when Drew jumps in and puts it all out on the table, whether it makes any damn sense or not. Latoya refuses to even acknowledge her, and Drew said, you know, just that, just know that I know, okay? And she mentions, you know, the fiance and the baby and the home that Latoya apparently wrecked. Then they start talking about the man, you know, Latoya has in Texas and uh, the profits from Texas. Listen, I'm over all this shit already. I'm so glad Atlanta about the finale. I want y'all to just, you know, stop and get it back together again, okay? Even though this, I, I actually really, I like the season a lot. But it wasn't y'all's best. You know, Atlanta has set the bar so high that even when they have a lower season, it's still better than most. But, you know, I just, I need y'all to just start over because I don't even know what the fuck going on right now in these episodes. Drew tells her to be honest and Latoya tells her to mind her motherfucking business, bitch. Cynthia says, you know, wait, y'all were just going to church together and getting along and all this stuff. Drew said, yeah, we went to church together, but her spirit was that of Delilah. (laughs) Now, see that? That actually tickled the fuck out of me. I'm not going to lie. Y'all know I was low-key raised in church, even though, you know, I I slept in the back of the church, you know, in the pews most days. But I always listened to the choir before falling asleep and snoring in the Lord's house. But 
every now and then I would catch a message. Okay. Now y'all follow me. I remember Delilah. See, remember Samson loved him some Delilah, but Delilah didn't see it for Samson. Okay. She had that man tell her all of his secrets, all of them. And then told his enemies that, okay, He's, uh, you know, he's only strong because, you know, he got that, that head full of go naked hair. Now, see, I don't know if Portia had started go naked hair back in the Bible days, but I would imagine so. Okay. In other words, Delilah can't be fucking trusted. Okay. Drew goes on a rampage about why she had to cancel her baby blessing and praying on the prophet and all this kind of stuff. But Cynthia says it best. She's like, girl, find somebody else to christen the damn baby. Oh, child. I ain't mean to say damn baby, but y'all know what I mean. From here, they start arguing back and forth before Latoya finally leaves and says, you know what? I'm about to go to profit.com and get me another man, child. Find me one while you over there, okay? <laughs> but not one like Kirk Franklin. Uh, Kirk Franklin, the way he be cussing them damn kids out and stuff. I'm not going to let Kirk cuss me out. I been went upside his head and then he turned the pliers and been whooped my ass. See, uh-uh, I don't need none of that in my life. I'm trying to make it, Lord. We jump forward in the episode. Latoya, Marlo, Candy, and Cynthia head over to Kenya's house for a, we just going to call it a titty reveal party, okay? <laughs> Listen, reality folks will get together for any excuse to make a damn scene child marlo came over that lady house ordering food and everything i know that's right marlo see kenya needs to stop trying to starve all these damn people out that's some damn military grade torture she don't offer folks shit but a bite here girl you want a bite of this crab meat sandwich you want to taste this girl this is not the real housewives of beverly hills okay we in georgia we eats around here okay then they go into uh, Kenya telling us about how she reapplying her clown makeup because she's falling for Mark's Usher Raymond confessions all over again about him wanting to come to Atlanta more often. He misses his family. Yorta, yorta, yorta. All of that. Mark, Mark and Kenya, as a matter of fact, go straight to hell. I'm so sick of y'all. I don't know what to do. Kenya asked about the pop-up shop. And they, of course, get right into Latoya versus Drew versus Prophet Third Leg Lot. <laughs> they said Drew is being hypocritical and a bad Christian because of how she was busting, busting, busting it wide open on that coffee table next to that Vogue magazine for Bolo. Marlo was floored by this conversation and she needed to wash her hands of the whole situation. And she poured a damn hand sanitizer bottle out of her boots and washed her hands of the situation. Listen, if y'all giving sudden a peach, give Marlo her motherfucking peach, okay? I'm not gonna tell y'all at Bravo no more. Give Marlo her motherfucking peach, okay? I'm sick of telling y'all. I don't care if he got a little fuzz on it, you know, like some of you power bottoms out there got. <laughs> Just give it to her, okay? At this point, she don't give a damn either. It's in this moment that Latoya decides to call Prophet Lot. I was about to call that man Pastor Hit Chad, whatever the fuck y'all want to call him. Prophet Lot on speaker. Now before I get into all the damn questions they asked that man, I actually want to give it back to Lily once again, Lily from Seattle, because she asked a question that I actually want to explain to y'all. Let me throw it over to Lily. 
Kendrick, why does the prophet Lot's beard look like it's like taped on? Um, it reminds me of that beard when Robin and the other ladies from Potomac tried to deliver the pizza to Karen and um, the beard that she was wearing at the door. You know, the gif where she's like knocking on the door and like has her ear pressed to it. Yeah, it looks like that. Am I the only one that thinks this? Am I the only one that thinks that he might have a beard weave? Let me tell y'all something. I really wanted to include this in here because my barber has tried to do this to me a number of times. See, there's this stuff called Beijing, okay? They try to put it in your beard to make it look a lot thicker, make it, you know, uh, uh, cover up any spaces or gaps you might have. I hate that shit so much. I switched barbers because of this very reason. He was insistent on doing that shit to my beard. And I was like, you have got to stop this shit. Like, you have got to stop it. I hate it so much. I didn't recognize myself when I got home. I looked like a whole nother. I looked like claymation by the time I got to the house. Do y'all remember the PJs? I looked like one of the motherfucking PJs by the time I got home. I hated that shit so much. I switched barbers. I got to drive 30 damn minutes just to get to the barber shop, but it is worth it so that they don't do that shit to me. Prophet Lot had too much damn Beijing in his beard. And it it, it looked like, y'all remember dude on Top Model when Tyra gave that man that fake ass beard? That's how the hell it looks when you do that Beijing shit. And you know what? Prophet Lot, you need to go find you a damn new barber too because them people don't care about you. They get Prophet Lot on the phone and the first question they ask him, was he supposed to christen the baby? He said he was supposed to, but he never heard back because they didn't want him uh, spiritually advising Latoya. Next question. Did he admit to having a relationship with Latoya? He said that the assistant involved, who was Drew's driver, I guess I'm talking about, was being messy boots down. He said he didn't admit to a damn thing, and he just wants to... Uh, they just want to control him. That he has no intimate relationship with Latoya at all. He was like Bill Clinton. I did not sleep with that woman. Okay. Next question: Were you engaged, sis? Were you engaged? He said, ah, ah, "I was engaged three years ago." Next. Next question. Then okay, okay. You 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 flying through these? Okay. Are you in love with that woman? That man stays silent. You know the fuck what. <laughs> Oh, last question, though. They asked the man who Ralph was in Florida with. Now, you know what? I keep telling y'all. Latoya, she's messy as I don't know what. She's literally baby Kenya, and she's kind of a tryhard. But she's funny as fuck to me, okay? I'm, I'm going to quit hiding it. Latoya cracks me the hell up. I hate to admit it, but she is funny as fuck to me. Y'all, we now have all of the makings of an amazing finale from Atlanta. I can't believe I've been talking about this for over 20 minutes now. I was going to say the episode didn't give, but it actually gave quite a bit. I see. Uh, boy, oh boy. The finale is going to be good. 
uh, Prophet Lot Gate <laughs> is going to come to a head. Drew going to try to bust Latoya head clean open. Lord have mercy. Let's stop the violence. Stop the violence. But if you got to fight, make sure you swing, you know, swing, swing, jab. Cross the body, uppercut, you know, go, you know what, let me stop. I don't need to be teaching people how to fight. And then you go out there and get your ass whooped. Okay, let's go on to, y'all ready for these transitions? I'm, you know what, I'm not going to point it out again. I just want y'all to appreciate these damn transitions whenever I talk about a new show, okay? Let's talk about The Real Housewives of Dallas. We're still on this tired-ass vacation, and we pick right back up with Carrie and Stephanie, dramatic-ass, emotional-ass, tired-ass conversation. Apparently, they're back friends again. Uh, Praise Black Jesus. They go back up and they go to uh, something that they're doing called redneck relay race. I don't a redneck relay race. All right. Then we get that discussion about <laughs> what a redneck is and is it culturally appropriate to say it, child? I don't even know how to break this conversation down because, yeah, I will say though, at least Tiffany Moon had enough, you know, know with all to ask before offending. Now she, she keep in mind, she only asked one white woman. So you still might offend 18 other people that's watching y'all this season, including my black ass. <laughs> Let me stop before they start the relay race dude from last episode that Carrie was talking bad about shows up at the door. Y'all remember the guy. He was the one I said looked like Doug dynasty. She goes over to that man and offers the absolute worst apology in human history. It was filled with a ton of uh, ifs, a whole lot of ands. Give me a couple of them butts. You know, all of that. Deandra and Tiffany were back there tickled pink in their seats watching this buffoonery go down. After Stephanie kind of, you know, intervenes and tells her, like, look, that was a bad apology. <laughs> like, you know, she got to do her like she a damn toddler in kindergarten telling her, you know, no, 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 this is how you do it. She finally offers a real apology and that damn man accepted it immediately. Now, see, I wouldn't have because I'm a low down dirty wanch, but, you know, that's just me. I will say, though, the I, the look games they played looked like they had, I don't know if they looked fun or if they looked like they had a lot of fun playing them, but, Either way, I guess that was the mission. So the mission accomplished, Stephanie. I do want to say, though, before I move on with talking about this episode, I wanted to shout out Brooke Shelby, who has an amazing like clothing store. She does a lot of uh, tie-dye stuff. I She sent me at the last week's episode, or was it the week before, how I was gushing over Tiffany Moon's uh, umbrella hats. She actually sent me two of them. Let me tell you something. It's over for y'all asses this summer, okay? Once Kendrick Tucker hit the streets, it's over for y'all. It's a wrap. You might as well go home, take your kids, hide your mans, hide your wife, hide everybody. It's over for y'all. I got different colors too. Oh, y'all ain't gonna be able to see me. I can't wait. Y'all know I go on my little daily jogs, walks, whatever I decide to do that day at the park. Oh, you know, it gets hot. It gets hot in Memphis. Oh, I can't wait 
to bust them babies out when it gets warm enough to block their sun. And then whenever somebody asks me where I got it from, I'm going to say, ask your mammy, because I ain't telling you. I want to be the only one up here with it on. So I'm not telling you ass. Go the hell on. Thank you, Brooke. Later in the night, the pranks start flowing. First, Stephanie and Brandy, they put their big, you know, Bigfoot costumes on. They run around and they try to prank Cam, but it was a, a epic fail. They end up twerking the damn costumes, child. I guess <laughs> and they got to twerk with the man that Carrie said had a said had a small dick, so ha 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 ha, we'll call it a win. Then Tiffany and DeAndre, they let off some fart bombs in Carrie's room. Ha 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 ha. Stakes raised, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then, of course. Carrie Brittingham takes it way, way too far. She gets mad and goes over to pour, I don't know if it was salsa or tomato juice or I don't know what the hell it was. She pours it all over Tiffany and Cam's bed. Baby, Cam was pissed the fuck off because it's not something you can just like clean up. She was like, it's not Cheerios. You know, she was trying to say you can't just like, you know, sweep it up and go on about your business. Listen. Cam, you, you was doing a little much. Now you called it vandalism. Like I don't know about that. Now you you know the damn lady. So I won't. I don't know if it was vandalism when y'all playing pranks on each other. But Carrie really threw the tomato juice like everywhere. It was on everything. So a lot of washing needed to happen. Cam was ready to call the damn hotel and everything. Deandra actually made a really good comment in this moment. She says when Carrie gets drunk, she has absolutely no boundaries. Well, duh. <laughs> Most folks don't. But y'all know, I never turned down an opportunity to get Carrie Brittenham's ass right together. So you right, Deandra. I'm with you on that one. The next morning, everybody basically acts like nothing happened at all. <laughs> Carrie did the laundry and everything is everything, I guess. Then they start cleaning up and we get a conversation between Deandra and Tiffany where they basically discussed, you know, Mama D and Tiffany's relationship and how it's different from her relationship with her own mom. Basically, you know, she talked about how she never received hugs and how she never saw her parents be affectionate Yeesh, let me tell y'all something. As someone who's lost a parent, I promise you, you wish you can get certain moments back. So if you're listening to this and you recently called your mama, you know, like a, a bald-headed, big-back bitch, and you're debating whether or not to call and apologize, just go ahead and do it. You won't regret it, I promise. Now, I'm trying to give y'all a clean slate, but if she get wrong again or get loud again, then cuss your mama the fuck out like Miss Men and Mama cussed out Miss Juicy in that club when she threw all them damn chicken wings at her ass. <laughs> Listen, that uh, respect thy elder shit only goes so far, okay? Start off with a clean slate and then cuss their asses out every time they get loud, okay? We finally get back to Dallas, praise God. And I was going to ignore this scene, but I have to talk about this damn scene with Cameron and Court and whoever the hell this damn lady is. She's made appearances on the show, show before, but I pay her ass dust every time. The woman came to talk to Cam's deceased dog, Louie. <sighs> Court says, are you... <laughs> Court says... Oh my God, are we actually about to have a seance? And Cam said, no, we're about to communicate with Louie. 
Cam, Cameron, bye, good fucking bye. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, okay? They asking the dog all kind of questions, and she answering them as if the dog was uh, Dominique Devereaux from Dynasty. She asked, you know, oh, yes, and, you know, he loved it. You know, the caviar, beluga. I'm, get the fuck out of here. I don't know what the hell going on in Dallas, but I might be a little too Memphis for this damn show now. I think I've lost all interest. I'm just saying. We get an update about Deandra and her stepmom. She got an email when she got home, which was a response to a letter that she had left in her brother's mailbox. If y'all remember all those episodes ago, she said the email started off nice, but then quickly went off the rails, but it actually didn't. (laughs) Deandra interpreted it as negative and it seemed... It seemed rational to me, I don't, I'm, if I'm being honest. The stepmom said, you know, stepbro wants us to chat first and clear the air before him and Deandra actually sit down and talk. Now, she did say that lady uh, followed up the next day with a follow-up email asking her to read the email. Now, see, that's when this girl, fuck you, okay? Now, see, stepmama, I was on your side at first, but don't play with me. Don't fucking play with me, okay? Do you know how many co-workers I've had to cuss out for trying me via email? I can pick up on nice and nasty, okay? I read all the nice and nasty that you have for me in the email, so don't fucking play with me. Deandra then details about like how her father committed suicide. Then she came home pretty much right after to a note on her bed saying that she got nothing. But then when she went and told Mama D, she was like, ah, ah. I have a wheel that supersedes all of that, all of that. And of course, we know that Deandra ended up winning big. You know, she got the bag. So I guess that's why they really big mad, big mad. Okay. The super weeding, the superseding wheel said that he didn't have to pay child support ever. If he left everything, like all of his trust and stuff to Deandra. Boom. Now that's how the fuck you do it. That's how you clear a bitch right there. Child, Jeremy's old cutie was the voice of reason. And he was telling her, you know, you'll have to have these kind of uncomfortable conversations. And, you know, maybe, maybe D will actually have a conversation. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how Dallas is going to wrap up, but I hope we do get some resolution to this because D and Tiffany have been the most open and honest ones this entire season, really been putting it out there. Chad, like Stephanie, she been building lockers. I don't know. Brandy been playing the victim. Cam talking to dead dogs. And then I don't even know who the hell other cast member is. I didn't forget that damn fast. So, oh, uh, Tiffany has a little celebration for her mom's birthday since they can't go out to a fancy restaurant. They spend some time making dumplings. They frying dumplings, you know, all of the above. And then her mom says, uh, yeah, can't stay. Sorry. Her daddy at work, well, Tiffany's daddy, that is. And he'll want to eat when he gets home. Tiffany, like, uh, he can't cook for himself. Where? <laughs> Bitch, where? She has to, like, twist her mom's arm to spend time with her i mean damn lady you knew i wanted some facetime for your birthday now you acting shocked because i want you to stay for dinner she finally agrees to stay and have a dumpling or two her words not mine her words not mine when they sit down tiffany basically 
confronts her and says she never felt like, you know, she was comforted or loved as a kid because her mom always wanted to take her to the library and, you know, do nerdy shit like that. Be on the Big Bang Theory, basically. Tiffany, she, you know, she like, damn, we can't sit and watch the Golden Girls or, or Sailor Moon or Dragon Ball Z or Mama's Family, none of that together. We got to read every damn day. Then she talks about, you know, being 15-year-old at Cornell and how she wasn't, you know, ever coming home. And it'd just be the summertime when she'd see her parents. And you know what? 15 at Cornell. Let me stay my dumb ass out of these smart people conversations, okay? <laughs> I got an MBA, but I got it from the, the back swamps of Indiana. So don't mind me, Tiffany. Tiffany is basically saying that her mom relates academic achievement with being a great parent. And Tiffany like, ah, ah, that ain't how the fuck it work. Tiffany ends up crying and everything, saying, I'm always letting you down. Listen, I know that lady was like, I ain't coming around here no more. <laughs> I am not coming to Tiffany's house no damn more, especially not for now another birthday. That lady came over here to tussy roll and pop lock and drop it, and you got her in this damn kitchen crying. I Shit, I know that's right, Tiffany. Don't hold that shit in. Let these mamas have it, okay? Let these daddies have it too. Now, see, I was just encouraging y'all to make up with your parents. I didn't change my damn mind now. <laughs> you know what? What damn shit? Let's go ahead and go to Summer House because the way they was hunching all in these people bed on Summer House, I'm ready to talk about it. We pick up from last week where Stravi has come to the house and he's surprising Lindsay. Remember, he's got the flowers. He spelled out I love you in fire on the lawn. Apparently, Kyle's little leprechaun ass already knew this was happening and he helped facilitate it. I I don't care about this relationship at all. But what shocked me was the fact that that man said he Ubered from New York to the Hamptons. Boy, how much motherfucking money did you spend? Like, no, seriously, how much money did you spend? He did <laughs> He did all this lovey-dovey talk, and then he asked her, basically, will you be my woman again? She said, ah, ah, slow your role, player. Yellow light, yellow light. Hold on, slow down, bus stop. She said, just hang out with me for a while, and we'll see what happens. I mean, I almost had your imaginary-ass baby a few days ago, but it was a false positive, okay? Just just let's see what happens. The fact that Amanda didn't know that Kyle was reproposing that night but said that tonight was supposed to be all about them is... It, it tracks for Kyle and Amanda. It tracks. Take that however you will. You know what I'm struggling with watching Summer House, just like most rational people? Who the fuck do I like on this show? And I try to think about that every single week. I know who I like for the purpose of keeping this show entertaining week after week, and that's Hannah. Like, I don't, you know, I don't love, I don't, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Hannah has done a lot of questionable shit this season, but she keeps the show entertaining. Y'all know I like the people that get the shit <laughs> get the shit started and then go play victim. No, I'm just playing. I like the people that get the shit started and keep the shit going. I'm just saying. Side note, why did I scream when they showed Stravi briefly on top of Lindsay doing them weak ass strokes? 
I said Bravo has slid into the pornography category. This is like softcore porn. I feel like I was watching like Showtime After Dark where they show all of the thrusted and naked bodies, but none of the genitals. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, ooh, what if they don't have genitals? What if, ooh, what if everyone that does softcore porn are actually like real life Barbie and Ken dolls? No genitals, but like, all of the sex appeal in the world. Hmm. That's a head scratcher right there. Y'all, y'all contemplate that. Y'all think about that one. Okay. Paige <laughs> throughout this episode needs to break up with Perry and then slide his number my way. Ew. Okay. Bye. Um, because I'm over it. Hell you mad because the man don't want to come to the Hamptons and have a drink with you. I don't like men all up in my space no damn way. I'm just saying. Sounds like me and Perry are better matched. It sounds like most people in Perry are better matched than you and Perry are hell. Even though Perry lives in the phone, like y'all said Jamal Bryant does, we do get some actual men coming to the house at some point in this episode. And that's Dez, who is Hannah's older comedian boo, and Robert, who is Danielle's man. Now, Dez arrives first, and he's a tall, good-looking man, okay? He's a good man, Savannah. After all of that, you know, she introduces him to a few people in the house, a few people that she actually wants him to meet. They head to the bathroom, and they have loud, sloppy sex for all of two minutes, child. Let, let somehow tell it everybody in this house is a two-pump chump. I believe it, too. They rejoin the group and they finally, we finally get to see Kyle and Dez standing next to each other. And it is fucking creepy. Hannah said, you know, she wanted to hate fuck Kyle anyway. So I, <laughs> I know Dez is getting the best of that love. And I'm just saying, you know, we all like a good, a good angry fuck. Kyle said she wanted to bang me. So now she's dating my dad. <sighs> Child. Hannah. You ain't gonna be able to live this shit down. <laughs> we also see that Stravi asks Luke his thoughts on Dez, and initially he says he's in a happier. He's you know he's happy that she's in a good place. Child, whatever. Who don't know about to believe that shit? Especially his attitude changed throughout that damn episode. We actually during dinner later on that day witness a miracle. Danielle informs us that she's taken a week and a day off of work i'm confident that this is her first vacation in like a decade so she must like she really loves this robert guy danielle take that time off okay that lady she takes the train or the jitney whatever the hell y'all call it from the hamptons every single week just so she can work on her actual job Girl, fuck these damn nine to fives. I'm so over corporate America. I don't know what to do. You know what? Let me not get started before uh one of my damn coworkers hear me and snitch on my ass. Y'all know them helpers don't like me no way. <laughs> anyway, we get to Luke asking Dez and Hannah all these questions. And Dez details basically how they met. He said that he followed her on social media for a while. And then he noticed she was quarantining uh, somewhere on one of the islands. I don't know what he said. And then, uh, he asked her, did she want to hang out? He said they didn't kiss on the first date, but then they fucked on a second date. I know that's right. 
Now we know, look, we all know editing. It felt like they both laughed about this as soon as he said it. But you know what? For the sake of standing character, what? They fought. It's in child, whatever. Hannah says that, you know, Dez walked into her life and she was like, take me, take me, beat this box up like we in a boxing ring. She didn't say all that, but basically y'all know what she meant. She was ready. She was horny. Luke was all the way in, uh, in Minnesota, whatever the hell he live at. I think that's an imaginary state. I don't know about it from Minnesota, but he claimed to be, so I'm going to let him have it. She said he was all the way in Minnesota and she needed somebody to beat that box down. She needed somebody to uh, take that box to the post office and ship it UPS. I know that's right, Hannah. Do what you need to do. I'm not mad at you. Get it how you live, okay? Later around the bonfire, Luke, Carl, Kyle, and Stravi, they ask Luke what he thinks about Dez. Now... He's saying that he rubs him the wrong way. Child, that's because he was getting that box while you were getting that mouth. Okay, let me say that again. You was He was getting the box while you was getting the mouth. Okay? I'm not going to say ejaculated in the mouth twice, not on this damn podcast anymore, because uh, I shouldn't have to say that every damn week. He says, obviously, they were together for a while, and then acted like I was the monster. <laughs> yeah, they did. Listen, let me tell y'all. Everybody better have a man or a woman in the wings waiting if your current situation ship doesn't pan out. I'm trying to put y'all up on game. Do you hear me? Look, have you a boo waiting in the wings? Picture this. Your significant other files for divorce. You can pick up the phone. And call in your your uh in the wings boo, or if you're a theater geek, your on deck boo, and tell them to gas up the private jet. You put on your Beyonce freakum dress and your tallest Erica Jane heels. Now you might get arrested in them damn heels, but it's worth the risk. You put on your best go naked wig. You pack up some pampered by Porsche sheets. You know why. Put on you a Mama Joyce uh, trench coat like when she was going to talk to Phaedra in that law office and get on that plane looking like Carmen San Diego ready to start a new life. And if he can't afford a private jet, you tell him to send your ass at least an Uber XL shit. I mean, damn. Everybody heads to the beach except Hannah, Dez, and Danielle. Danielle didn't go, obviously, because she's waiting on Robert. But Hannah and Dez just want to stay behind and hunch and hump on everything and on each other and everywhere, okay? Hannah and Dez take the opportunity to go hump in yet another bathroom, but this time, the bathroom belongs to Kyle and Amanda. Yeah, see, y'all y'all better hunch in other people's bathroom. I can't tell y'all how many times back in college, People would, you know what, let me keep my business to myself. <laughs> the best part of this was when Dez told Hannah, pull your bathing suit to the side. I know that's right, two chains. See, a great ghetto philosopher once said, pull your panties to the side, let me slide through. I'm in and out the drive through. I know that's right, two chains. Y'all know I've seen two chains in concert at least five times. I've seen them in different cities. I've tried to go eat at his restaurants. I remember one time I went to Atlanta. I pulled up at Escobar, which is his uh, 
his it, that's his restaurant actually right next to Candy's restaurant, OLG. I went there and right when I got there, a Lamborghini truck was pulling off. Two chains had just left the building. I stood outside of my car and I just said, oh, and I fainted right there on the ground. I was so goddamn upset. Oh, Lord. That was me and my sister, too. Me and my sister are the biggest two chains fans on the planet. I digress. This has nothing to do with Summer House except pull your panties to the side. Let me slide through. I'm in and out the cat. Drive through. Listen, Hannah and Dez, I like them together way more than Hannah and Luke. Hannah and Luke made absolutely no sense to me, and I'm sure to nobody else either. But Hannah and Dez, I actually like. They seem like two damn goofballs that are just ready to have fun. Now, I know Hannah was slurping and burping all behind Luke's back, but according to him, they weren't dating no damn way, so who the hell was she cheating on? They end up making it official in a hot tub together. That grown-ass man asking somebody to be his girlfriend, but child, at least they getting married now, hell. Meanwhile... Danielle and Robert, he finally come and they out there talking about caterpillars committing suicide and all kind of other boring shit, child. Uh, Robert and Danielle, let me find out y'all just as boring as the other one is. I will say this whole boat party at the beach looks fun as fuck. And it made me miss life pre-quarantine, pre-rona. In case you're wondering, yes. They're only drinking Loverboy on the damn boat. Loverboy is like a, it's a monopoly dictatorship at this point. It feels like people will get punished if for drinking anything else on camera other than Loverboy. Now see, y'all remember when Robert got there, Danielle asked him what he wanted to drink. And then people started drinking Rosé immediately while everybody else was gone because they was over that damn blueberry shit they didn't want no damn lover boy they wanted rosé they wanted a nice chardonnay they wanted a nice dry uh 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 uh, uh, uh well i can't think of a wine a nice dry white wine here y'all know what the hell i'm talking about pinot noir drive a nice car man i can't wait to travel with my homies <laughs> and get drunk as hell and have to be ushered home because I try to get in a fight with a security guard at the bar. <sighs> Memories. Man, oh man, Summer House. Y'all really took me back this week. God, I'm I'm ready for it. I'm going to listen. When the world opens up, I'm getting all my podcasts of friends together and we going on vacation somewhere, okay? Now, I don't know where the hell we going. I don't know who all going to be vaccinated, but it's going to be a vax only trip. Okay. So if you listening to this and you one of my podcast of friends, yes, better have your ass in line at the vaccine clinic tomorrow. Okay. Ain't shit else I can do for you. Let's go ahead and jump into married to medicine. Before I jump into married to medicine, though, I wanted to kind of, you know, we're a few episodes in now. I wanted to kind of test the waters. You know, we've we've gone through a major cash shift, which we've, we've never gone through on Married to Medicine before. And I wanted to just kind of test the waters and see, see how it was being received by the people. Now, I know there are a few diehard Married to Medicine fans out there, and you've heard from a couple of them on this podcast before. This time, I've got none other than Steven from the uh, Faces by Bravo account on Instagram. I'm sure all of y'all follow him if you follow me. And he is the biggest 
Married to Medicine fan. He has always said that it's the best show on Bravo. I've always agreed with him. So let's kick it over to Steve to see what he has to say about his overall thoughts about this season so far of Married to Medicine. Yes, honey, she's here. It's Steve from Faces by Bravo. Just popping in to give some love to Married to Medicine. It is my absolute favorite show on Bravo. It's the best show on Bravo. It's Housewives on Steroids. These women give us everything. We get drama. We get shade. We get hilarious moments. We get super intense and personal moments. I truly feel like this is a cast where we are going through life with them and learning from them while also enjoying a reality show. And that, to me, is what really sets them apart. I'll never get over the fact that we witnessed Simone and Cecil call off their divorce at a reunion. The show is top tier, and the people that are still sleeping on it are missing out. In honor of Dr. Heavenly, yo mama! We start off with Heavenly getting a phone call from the Reverend Al Sharpton. Now, see, first of all, her car, when the phone rang, said unknown caller, and she actually answered it. Girl, please. See, that's how you know somebody actually got money. That's how you know somebody got money, because I would have dodged the fuck out of that unknown number. I answered the phone for unknown number in different voices and everything. I answered that phone sounded like Megan McCain sometimes. Hell, depending on my mood, I might sound like Megan Thee Stallion. <laughs> Hell, it's it's hard to tear them to apart nowadays until they open their damn mouth about uh their different viewpoints and then they night and day. He calls her to invite her to march. Uh, what is the march on Washington, which took place, I think, fifty-seven years ago now. It's the fifty-seventh anniversary of the "I Have a Dream" speech, and you know, with Floyd George Floyd's murder just happening in the country not too long ago when this was filmed, and it's sparking all the protests around the country, around the world, really. It was perfect. He wants these wonderful black doctors to do COVID testing. Now, see this is wonderful to see. Come on, Heavenly, with your country ass. You better test the people. See, I love that. I love when people look past the reality TV personas and still give these doctors the accolades that they deserve for, you know, they went to school for damn ever. And they are all wonderful physicians and they're doing wonderful things in the community. So I love seeing them get recognized by somebody of stature like you know the reverend al sharpton so i mean you know we love to see it the scene with contessa was funny as fuck obviously it sets up the main event of the episode later but tessa is stressed out because these people were supposed to be fixing her house up and they ain't fixed shit but they fixed her life like iyanla van zandt aka they fucked her life up Contessa filled that glass up to the brim. The brim. Do you hear me? I know that's right, Contessa. All my podcaster friends will tell you that when we have to record together, I have to take either a wine refill break when we're recording or I show up to the recording with multiple bottles of alcohol because I be stressed out, okay? By the time I get to them, my main job has worked my damn nerves so badly that I need all the libations I can get, okay? She starts talking everything out with this lady that they be doing yoga and babysitting their kids and 
I don't know if she the cousin or what, but y'all know who the hell I'm talking about. And she casually lets it slip out that she doesn't know if Scott is cheating and how there's division in the group and skirt. Wait a minute. Hold up. Did you say that man was cheating? Wait, what? Don't don't go past that like you didn't just say that. What the hell are you talking about, Contessa? Is the man cheating on you or not? Who knows? Ultimately, she says that she asked the lady to do a crystal healing party so that they can fix some of the relationships in the group. I still want to get back to that whole Scott might be cheating on me thing, but I guess we'll get to that later on in the season based on the trailer, at least. I've told y'all once, but I'll tell y'all again. Married to Medicine and The Real Housewives of New Jersey are the only two shows on Bravo where the men can carry scenes all by themselves. We get a scene with both the husbands and some of the sons too, which I love. They're playing top golf. Child, let me tell y'all something. I play top golf, but I go to top golf to eat. I'm not going to lie. Top golf got some good ass food, okay? It be high as hell for a small amount of food, but it's good nonetheless, okay? There's not much like even happens during this scene, but it's always hilarious and entertaining when the men get together. They're gambling, they're drinking, Cecil up there being country as hell. <laughs> Cecil reminds me of every black uncle I've ever had. Child. I can't tell y'all how many times I've been recording this damn podcast and one of my country-ass uncles comes over here and leaves my house with a sack full of groceries like I'm motherfucking Kroger or Publix or Food Line or whatever the hell, wherever the hell y'all shop here. It's here that Damon actually announces that they're going to take a private jet to New Orleans. Not to old child. I'm getting my shows mixed up. That's Atlanta. They already took a private jet to New Orleans. They go take a private jet to D.C. And they go get a mansion while they're there. I also love the fact that they took the opportunity on camera to have a group discussion with the black men and Karen (laughs) of different ages about Black Lives Matter and what's going on in the country. I always love to see that. Marriage and Medicine is one of the few shows where you really do get a ton of balance. Like, you know, we watch Summer House. Summer House is just a fun little show all the way throughout. Married to Medicine, you get the shade, the laughs, all of that too. But you really get a behind-the-scenes look at black people discussing their personal experiences on televised programming. And I love that. It's one of the few shows that does it Super well, in my opinion, even still, like I, I don't know. Kudos to Marriage Medicine. We finally get to the day of Contessa's event. Child, Heavenly is still bringing Funky Dineva around and he going to the event with her. He said that he wishes that Quad was there to hang out with them, but that she's in Mexico. This is when we find out that apparently <laughs> Quad and Heavenly after Quad's one-ass appearance on this season, are now beefing. Heavenly commented an emoji on one of Quad's pictures, like she was on vacay, and she thought the emoji was, you know, super positive, basically saying, okay, all right, girl, watch out, you looking good. You know, one of them kind of emotions. Child, Quad responded back. She said, sorry you spent all your coins at the doctor and still didn't get the body that God gave me. 
the body that God gave me. The body that God gave me. You know what? Quad, we, we'll get back to that last piece in another episode because I ain't got time today. Heavenly went in in that car. She said that girl ain't got no husband to love her, so maybe she she just needs some love. And Heavenly, leave that damn girl alone. Just love that lady because Mariah damn sure don't. <laughs> Justice for Mariah, okay? Wait a minute. Speaking of Quad and Mariah, that's the perfect time. I also asked Steven about what he feels this season is like without this huge dynamic that we've always known on Married to Medicine, which is Quad versus Mariah. We've only seen them be friends one damn season. So I asked him what he thought about how the show is without them and what his thoughts were for them. And you know what? Our opinion actually echoes the exact same. Miss Quad, Miss Quad, she got it, she got it. This is Steve from Faces by Bravo. So Married to Medicine had a big casting shakeup. We lost two major players, Mariah and Quad. Quad, over the past few seasons, became a different Quad that, you know, wasn't the one I fell in love with and definitely came off as if she was better than the rest of the group and she really only cared about Sister Circle. So her losing Married to Med and Sister Circle at the same time was probably a huge dose of humility i'm excited to see her back and i think we'll hopefully get the old quad the one we fell in love with who's participates um as far as mariah i love mariah she's wrong a lot of the time but her shade and confessionals not to mention that she's the creator of the show i am the tree and you are a branch and i will not come off my chariot and throw tomatoes with you sweetheart i 100 percent agree y'all know i <laughs> I love Quad, but whatever. I want Mariah back. Mariah's shade was compared to none on Bravo. That woman could shade anybody in her path, and I need Mariah back ASAP, okay? Do you hear me? We finally get to the event, and Jackie and Simone still aren't speaking to each other. It's as awkward as ever. As a matter of fact, they sit on opposite ends of the building. <laughs> Everybody arrives on time except, surprise, surprise, Toya. Now, why is Toya late? Toya is late because she had to go pick up Lisa Nicole Cloud Noggles and Carrie Wells. They in that car being messy as fuck. And you know what? I am tickled as hell. I won't lie. They talking about quad on Instagram posing like Megan the Stallion. All the Insta thoughts got the matching body and tra fat transfers and all this kind of stuff. They finally arrived and them folks already started praying and meditating and all kind of shit. Heavenly is blown away by Toya in her words, not mine. Quote unquote, bringing these recycled friends to the event. <laughs> When Heavenly said, look at her, and pointed at Carrie Wells and started laughing, I haven't laughed that hard in a while. Heavenly, when she gets tickled and does that high-pitched cackle, that shit tickles me every single time. That was my laugh of the evening. Heavenly's like, now that lady, <laughs> that damn lady was on season one, and y'all done went and found her ass. Now see, 
Hamlet said Toya went to the pits of hell and dug these motherfuckers up. Bitches that we ain't seen in years. Listen, don't be calling them bitches heavenly, okay? Well, do whatever the hell you want. I'm not your mama. See, that's why I know for a fact that heavenly, we all have that one Bravo liberty that we love to watch on TV. But we know for a fact, if we have to be in the same space as them for too long, we have to fight their ass. I know Heavenly is that motherfucker for me in real life. I could never be friends with Heavenly, but Heavenly is funny as hell to witness on TV. I'll never lie about that. They finally go around and have people offer apologies that, you know, that want to or express forgiveness or whatever. And Simone is up first. She chooses to be forgiven for words that she uses to hurt people's feelings. But of course, she doesn't put a name on it. She doesn't apologize to Jackie directly, Heavenly directly, anybody. Child. Then Anila goes off and she offers an apology basically to Heavenly. She doesn't say a name either, but she's directing it at Heavenly because, you know, Heavenly actually jumped up and said she received it. So, But she wants to apologize for trying to relate her personal experiences with black lives matter you know basically saying that they're one and the same in regards to struggling heavenly actually accepted the apology wholeheartedly tessa apologizes for her brashness and then jackie gets up there and she apologizes for not taking a stand child everybody is offering these damn apologies and ain't nobody directing them to anybody this is when we get heavenly. And finally, heavenly says, I'd like to apologize to Toya. Finally, somebody put a name on it. Heavenly says, <laughs> she only apologized to her ass because she mad at Quad, but you know. She said, I'd like to apologize to Toya. She says, you know, basically, I was, I was wrong for this. I shouldn't have said all that when we were fighting, yada, yada, yada. But see, I'm telling y'all, she only did this shit because she fell out with Quad. And uh, Funky Dineva was right there. So she probably, hell, she probably wouldn't be friends with that lady anyway. Hell, I don't damn know. Side note, that breaking news that they did <laughs> put me on the damn floor. Married to Medicine, even on their worst day, is still better than 85% of all the other Bravo shows. And at their best, there's no other show in their atmosphere. This whole damn uh, crystal party that Con Tessa through. I'm glad you're through it. We got a couple of resolutions in the building. We all know the shit won't last long, but I do love to see it. Finally, 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 we get to the conversation we've been needing to see. Jackie and Simone. Simone comes to Jackie's office and they finally put it all out on the table. Married to Medicine fans all around know that this friendship is the cornerstone of this whole show. Just like Quad and Mariah's hatred for one another is another cornerstone. <laughs> Just like Heavenless, your mama has always been like the secret eight cast member on this show. I'm just saying. They talk about Simone, you know, basically felt like Jackie uh, took sides because historically Jackie always checked Simone when she needed to, whether she was right, wrong or whatever. The silence was all Simone said that she needed to hear. Jackie, on the other hand, Jackie, you know, she was like, okay, well, that's all true. I got some grievances, though, too. Jackie said she basically expressed how Buffy's attention-seeking ass and how she kept 
talking about Jackie's apology, wouldn't let it go. And Simone was, you know, taking her back. How all of that was basically the final straw. I love that they actually were able to talk about how they've always been there for each other. Like when Jackie had breast cancer and all these different kind of things. And finally, 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 at the end of their conversation, they realized that they've always been there for each other and that they need to start to rebuild, let go, let love, whatever the hell all these raggedy ass motivational speakers be saying. And it looks like we got Jackie and Simone back again. Now, my question is, I wonder who get to eat lunch with Jackie now. Do Simone get to start eating lunch with her again? Or has Heavenly officially uh taken up the whole damn bus bench? I don't know. I'm curious to see, though. But let's move on to Married at First Sight. <laughs> we are down to four couples. <clears throat> Because Chris's moonshine head ass was the worst person on the planet. And we finally, finally got rid of his bitch ass, okay? Paige, we love you, but we need you to go work on yourself too. Chris, fuck you, okay? How about that? Let's start off with the couple that's slowly becoming Chris and Paige's biggest rivals. And that's Eric and Virginia, okay? He took her home to, you know, see his old house. That's what the theme of the episode is. Basically, going to the old home, seeing the family, you know, yada, yada, yada. Getting to know who the person was so you can know who they are and explain those kind of things. You know, all that bullshit. He takes her home to see his old family, or his old house, and to see some family. Virginia actually really enjoys it, but she realizes that he hasn't put in as much effort to meet her side of the family because of this we actually see eric a little bit later on call her dad to try and bond with him a little bit he actually gives him advice about virginia and how the next few weeks should be and all this kind of shit but ultimately he tells him that he's happy to have a son-in-law like him child that's because you don't know that damn man. Because <laughs> if you knew him, you wouldn't be saying none of this shit. Anyway, they go play basketball together later on because she grew up playing basketball all her life. And he learns all the stories that, you know, the stories that all the ex-athletes from high school used to tell, child. You know, you run into one of the dudes who used to play football at, at your high school or one of the guys who used to play basketball or somebody used to play soccer and you got to deal with them constantly reliving their damn glory days. Okay, I yeah, I get it. Yeah, that was a that was a good touchdown in 97. Yeah, that was amazing. I love it. Uh-huh. Can you please hurry up and finish this damn spreadsheet so we can turn it over to the damn boss and get the hell on about our life? You know what? I'm rambling. Let me stop. Side note. When they go to the counseling session in this episode, he, now I know this is trivial, he, he had on a Hollister shirt. That shit is fucking childish to me. I don't know. Throw that shit away. Anyway, some of his controlling ways begin to peek their ugly ass head out in this session. He's constantly comparing their marriage to what other people's marriages look like and what it should be. And she says, like, you know, basically other than cheating, their marriage should be whatever they want it to be. I actually agree with this. Like, I really agree with that. After the counselor actually leaves, 
they get into a very passive aggressive argument about what marriage should look like. Now, see, let me tell y'all my issue with Eric has never been about his beliefs because, you know, we all have different beliefs. Some of his are out there. Some of his make a whole lot of sense. I've never been against him for his beliefs. It's the fact that it's his way or the highway that's always kind of ticked me the hell off. And I'll be damned if I deal with a nigga like Eric. See, it takes a special kind of fool to be married to somebody like Eric. And I ain't it. The question is, though, are you a damn fool, Virginia? We gonna find out when it's time to uh, stay together or get the fuck divorced, I guess. And that's coming up in what, a week? Mm-mm. Let's go to our sweeter couple, Brianna and Vincent, the only people we rooting for. <laughs> Brianna starts out by taking Vincent to a dance studio because she grew up as a dancer. They actually have a little conversation about colorism, which we love to see, because she grew up with such little self-esteem. Oh, because, of course, there was a lot of dark skin versus light skin, you know, all that kind of back and forth at school. See, Every black person listening to this podcast right now knows exactly what she's talking about because we've witnessed these conversations in our own elementaries, our own middle schools, our own junior highs, our own high schools. Hell, some of us might have had this shit at work, might hear these kind of conversations at work. And that's a whole nother beast right there. She throws out there that, you know, don't worry. <laughs> she doesn't want to have to worry about how the kids will grow up. They're going to grow up better, you know, way, way in the future. Now, see, he looks shocked as hell. So obviously they haven't discussed a timeline on kids. When they go see the therapist, you know, during that little section of the episode, they talk about Brianna's lack of compromise when it comes to his sleeping. He doesn't want her to, you know, to feel like he's being lazy, but, you know, he drives all day long and he's literally exhausted. So when he has the time to sleep, he wants to sleep. I don't blame him. But she says, no, you know, I don't I don't think you're lazy and all like that. So I don't think they ever really come to a compromise. Maybe she's saying that uh, the therapist proposed that, okay. Maybe one day you let him sleep in, but then the next time he does it, you wake him up and then y'all both just compromise and some days he sleep in, some days he don't. Sounds fair enough. They both seem open to it, yada, yada, yada. But then they talk about the pregnancy issues. We learned like in past episodes that she's scared to get pregnant because she, you know, she has blood pressure issues. I'm not exactly sure what the issue is, but you know, some women, when they get pregnant, that blood pressure can go through the damn roof he talks about like you know well we can go see doctors together we can research together but the therapist asks you know would he be okay with adopting because you know if it's not in the cards for her medically then it's not in the cards for her so would you be okay with adopting now all of a sudden he doesn't know if he wants to adopt or if he's okay with doing that or not child you better figure it the fuck out. Now all of a sudden you're not, uh, you, you don't want to compromise, but you want that damn woman to compromise. Better yet, just don't have kids. Kids suck anyway. <laughs> I keep telling y'all, I never wanted children. I've told y'all that I don't know how many times. When I was a kid and they would play uh, like house when we was kids, I was like, uh, I'd rather play Little Sally Walker. Thank you very much. See. I love that. <laughs> I'm just saying, fuck them kids. Okay. 
I love that he takes her to the bodega at some point during this episode and introduces her to, you know, some of his favorite foods and uh, desserts, all kind of things that he likes. And he tells her about his childhood and the way he was talking, it seems like it's directly linked to why he wants a family so bad because he always felt lonely and, you know, this and that. Oh, like, see, now I'm on your side again. You know what? Get a damn man some kids. Or don't. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm just saying. Kids are the devil. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to the most boring couple on the show, which used to be Jacob and Haley. But Jacob and Haley kind of turned it out every single week. Let's go on to Ryan and Clara. Because Lord knows. Lord knows. They, they need some damn help. We start off with Ryan going to see Clara's mom. They talk about, you know, how weird it is that they barely know each other, as is this show. But then they start having a conversation about religion and growing up in church and, you know, all this kind of stuff. She told him that she really didn't even want to, you know, she didn't really start going to church until after Clara was born because she realized, you know, it was such a great positive environment and she wanted to raise her daughter in it and yada, 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 child. Now he hoping that that lady changes her mind about wanting to raise their kids religious. Now you done got this damn man hopes up and he don't even want to tell that lady he love her. <laughs> Ain't that some shit. Later, they go to her, uh, her people's house and he sees all of the teens in the old house. You know, the teens, all of the teens. They've turned her room into a home gym. You know what? Why do people always try to create home gyms knowing damn well they're not going to work out? If your ass don't go to the gym to work out, you not go work out at your home gym. I'm just telling you. I, too, have been a victim of this. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to turn a spare bedroom into uh, a damn uh, home gym. Child, I walk right past that dusty motherfucker every day and don't pay it no damn attention. They all look like they're having a great time together. When they sit down for lunch and talk about, you know, the funny stories, like how her mom found uh, that Usher confession CD and broke this shit because she didn't want her to turn into a harlot. <laughs> well, she didn't say that, but, you know, I, I read between the lines. Later on, when they get into their little counseling session with Dr. Pepper, I listen, I'm never going to call her Dr. Schwartz, okay? <laughs> I'm always, always going to be Dr. Pepper for me. Uh, a cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper for me. They talk about the looming intimacy issues. Yes, I said issues because Ryan quit playing with that lady, okay? You playing with her heart at this point and you playing with her private part. Stop it. He says, you know, he doesn't want to say the I love you word too often because it'll start to lose meaning. If that's not the dumbest stuff I've ever heard, that is the that is the, the worst most terrible excuse you could ever think of. Tell that damn lady you love her and then go take the trash out like a regular ass husband. Shit. Now let's go ahead and talk about Jacob and Haley. We first see them at the batting cages. His ass striking out left and right, probably because he has on some damn dress shoes hitting the damn balls. Boy, if you don't go buy some Tony Romo sketches and get the fuck out of my face, then they sit down and she tells him all about, you know, being raised on um, sports as a kid and 
uh, how much of a little diva she was. His words, not hers, child. Jacob, tread lightly, okay? You know that lady already barely like your ass as it is. Later, they go play putt-pup, and he whoops the brakes off her ass, okay? <laughs> he took that shit seriously. She didn't even consider, he didn't even consider letting that girl win. He's like, man, fuck that. Not after she whooped my ass at them batting cages. I know that's right. I love the exercise that they do later on in the episode. All of the couples did them, but I don't think that showed everyone's uh, everyone's reading of the letters. It's a letter that you have to write to your, I think, 13-year-old self. His letter was short as hell and sweet. That man said, don't be a bitch. <laughs> don't do this. Don't do that. And scene. Her letter was way more thought out and planned. You know, she's talking all about, you know, getting self-esteem and you're going to start dating at this age and yada, yada, yada. And that man starts bringing up a uh, damn time travel. Well, I don't want to tell my younger self too much because, you know, Scott Lang and I'll see if you don't take your ass on somewhere. That's why that lady don't like your ass now. But Haley, we don't like you either. How about that? This, though, I bring it up because. We find out that one of the biggest issues they have been having is that, you know, the viewers, we, we haven't seen this at all, at all, is about some damn bracelet. Remember the wedding scene? Yeah, it was at the wedding. Before the wedding, actually, they hadn't gotten married yet. He sent her an infinity bracelet to her like suite or her room, wherever she was in a hotel that she thought was a necklace. She didn't wear it on that day. And apparently this has been a thing the entire time because they had footage after footage after footage of this bracelet being discussed. Child, I should have did like Cardi B and said the footages. <laughs> he said that if he could give his younger self any advice, it would be don't buy the bracelet, child. <laughs> <laughs> now see that's my pity ass right there that's why uh i can't ever stay in love my damn self they start arguing about the bracelet once again and how it's apparently in alabama with her family <clears throat> maybe <laughs> and how she should have uh had it shipped and all this kind of stuff child that man brings up a damn well no i'm sorry she brings up a damn hat that he hasn't worn since she gave it to him on the wedding day too. Listen, if this kind of shit y'all arguing about, break the fuck up. Break the hell up, okay? Later, we're waiting for their damn counseling session to start. And these people don't say a damn word to each other. Not one word. Ooh, them people really mad about that damn bracelet. Which, oh yeah, by the way, comes up once again in this damn counseling session. Now see, we ain't heard about this damn bracelet all season long. Now the damn bracelet being shoved down our throat. Ooh. <coughs> Later, they bring up, you know, this bracelet again during the session. The counselor actually, though tells Haley to make, you know, take responsibility and your part in all of this because you're making him feel rejected. Now see, Cherry Vanilla Dr. Pepper, I got to disagree with you on this one. They got way, way bigger issues than a damn infinity bracelet, okay? Sorry, but with the way that they fight, 
I wouldn't be thinking about that goddamn bracelet either. And y'all know I hate to have to defend Haley. I ain't never done it before and I don't want to start. The actual, like, close of the actual, the close of the episode, the ending of it, is when, you know, she finds out, she goes in the room, and she sees the hat that she's bought him, and it's just sitting on the dresser. So, obviously, he mad. He gave the hat back. He like, I don't want this shit. Child, she jumped on FaceTime with her mama right then and there, and she told her to shift that damn raggedy-ass, punk-ass bracelet back so she can go on about her business. Look, this just sealed their fate on this show. Y'all two are not going to stay married. Just break the hell up. And uh, what's that boy name? Jacob, I know you might, after all this, still might want to get married to her and might want to stay married. That lady don't want you, boy. Just move the hell on because, whew, y'all are tie your ring. And that's the whole motherfucking truth. Let's just go ahead and switch over to the damn uh, Real Housewives in New Jersey and call this thing a day. Y'all, this is episode nine, N-I-N-E, nine of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. And after this week, they only got two damn episodes left. One, two episodes left. This is an 11 episode season. Is that not the craziest shit ever? Them people already then uh filmed the damn reunion. <laughs> I think they already filmed the child. I don't damn know. I might be lying. But they I, I know they've already asked for questions from the audience. That's just insane to me. I see such a short season. That makes me think they about to do a real major cast shakeup. I don't know why. I feel like this is a good iteration. I mean, I, I know three you can get rid of, but I won't say who. Well, not even three. I know two you can get rid of. I shan't say who. You can probably guess it. But let me get into the episode because this ain't none of my business, okay? I know this is crazy, but before the end of this episode, the Jennifer Aiden parents fighting storyline was so damn entertaining to me. (laughs) I don't know why, but older people like fighting like cats and dogs is the funniest shit in the world to me. I mean, I know they've gotten to the point where they can't even, you know, stand to be in the same room with each other. Child, she wouldn't even go to Turkey to see her grandson because that man was going. Baby, that's some cold shit. Listen, I have some aunts that can't stand to be in the same room as their husbands either. But that's a conversation for a whole nother episode. She relates it all to being, you know, shamed if he doesn't want to be with her and all this kind of stuff. It's a lot of stuff going on interwoven throughout this little relationship. And keep in mind, they didn't choose each other. They were, you know, this relationship was chosen for them. So, whew, they they got a whole lot to work through. I love seeing Dolores being so open about getting a mammogram and it coming back abnormal and having to go for extra testing and a biopsy and all this kind of stuff. See, we need more people being open about their health, like physical health, because people like me don't go to the damn doctor regularly. Now, look, y'all leave me the fuck alone, okay? Just let my ass expire when it's my time, okay? Don't come around here uh, uh trying to get me to come to go get tested for this and that. Just let me alone, all right? Y'all, <laughs> we also find out that she was a lot that she's, you know, going to these appointments alone. 
of course, and David Raggedy Ass isn't going with her. Punk ass. See, I just want you to get back with Frank Catania. I know the man cheated on you and all like that years ago, but y'all just seem like y'all have moved past all that. Just just get back together. We want somebody that's going to love you, you know, hold you. Who's going to want you, as Ramona said. We want all that. We just, we want the best for you, Dolo. Black Dolores, as Wendy Williams calls you. We get to Teresa's psychic party, child. Didn't I tell y'all earlier in the episode that reality TV stars will throw a party for any damn reason just to make a scene? We get to Teresa's psychic party with the psychic name Gina Marie. Now, she's apparently a medium, and she gets guidance from people's spirit guides or whatever they are. Margaret, in this episode, twice, once when she wasn't at the party and then once when she was at the party, brings up the fact that Jennifer Aiden was on Instagram Live saying she needed a nanny. Look, I get it. Folks are waiting on stimulus checks. They're having a hard time right now, and she's asking for help around her house. I get it. But also, leave that damn girl alone. Shit. Y'all just like to hate each other at this point. Like, y'all y'all are becoming, you know what? Y'all are slowly becoming like Karen and Giselle. Because Karen and Giselle, you never know whether they friends or not. It looks like they just love to hate each other. They, like, they, they love each other on deep, deep, deep down. But they really just love to hate each other. They love to shade each other. They love to put each other down. It, y'all get in that kind of territory and I don't want that for y'all but to Mars just let it go you know that damn girl gonna be delusional when she wanna be delusional she gonna make sense when she wanna make sense y'all just leave each other the hell alone I don't know one thing that psychic Gina Marie was getting their asses right together she gives all of them the truth but it's Dolores's reading that's like the most poignant child she told all of that lady business she said you know get your health check because you're about to go through something you ain't gonna end up with david raggedy ass and your dead dog said hi now child after all this shit she told her bad health david ain't shit and the dog said hey why did dolores start crying about the damn dog instead of everything else you know the fuck what <laughs> i guess that's why her daughter going to be a uh a vet because she, her mama don't want no dog on the planet dying. So she might as well help her out and try to save as many as she can. I know that's right. She got Melissa ass together too. Now she spoke to her father and heard like, you know, he's like, you've got young kids. One of them's going to be a champion. Does he wrestle and all this kind of stuff. And then she said, I see the number five somewhere and it's work related child. She started damn envy five years ago. She trying to tell you you getting a divorce. That's what the hell she trying to say. Now, that's the T. I'm just trying to let you know. Joe already don't want your ass working. Now, the psychic saying that it's number five, too. Yeah, five. That's how many uh, years it's going to take to divorce your ass. <laughs> y'all going uh, to be out here divorcing as long as bethany and jason were divorcing in real housewives in new york the world's longest divorce I, I think they finally finalized it a day ago and that was taking 50 11 years in the damn making she also jenna marie tells jennifer that she needs to tell her mom that her feelings are valid now see this one i loved you know she feels like she's been in a in, a, in an abusive relationship child 
and that it's important to tell her that she has an ally. Wow. That's good stuff because, you know, Jennifer and her mama have been beefing all damn season. And Jennifer had her dad, not her mom, move in with her. So that says a lot. At the beginning of the season, you know, she was saying stuff like, you know, her mom can be so cold and so rude, so mean, all this kind of stuff. But now she's finally starting to see that, like, okay, I need to have a little sympathy for my mom because otherwise, what the fuck are we doing in life? I know that's right. We actually get to that final scene of the episode, and it's Jennifer Parents, of course. It's Bill, it's Jennifer, and it's her daughter, who I love, but I can never remember her name. I think it's, is it Olivia? I don't know. I love, I love Jennifer's kids. They uh be hyper as hell, but they seem like good kids. Child, Jennifer out loud says what the psychic told her, and she acknowledges her mother's feelings. It sets off World War Three in that damn kitchen because her father said, I've never abused her. You ain't never seen me abusing her, have you? But he's equating like abuse with physical abuse and not emotional abuse. See, we got a taste of their damn relationship. And it seems like the mother <laughs> has experienced some emotional abuse, okay? Bill says it best. He says, unfortunately, because of the culture, they haven't gotten a divorce and they can't get a divorce. And that it didn't even mean that they loved each other before they got married. I mean, it's true. If they were of a different background, then they would have been divorced. They would have been like Usher and they would have signed them papers. Look at me throwing it back to the early 2000s. And don't worry though, Jennifer, Jennifer mama. We go find you somebody. Okay. Let me think. Okay. We go find you a good, strong man. Okay. Let me think. Okay. Okay. You know, one that won't emotionally abuse you, okay. We can okay, I got it, I got it. I think A-Rod is single now, so let's give him a call. I'ma call Madison from Southern Charm, and we go hook this shit up from you. Now, he might cheat on your ass. Okay, let me, he, he go cheat on your ass. But, that don't really matter. You just need you a good, strong man, so you can divorce uh, Jennifer's daddy, and you can ride happily ever after off into the sunset now ain't god good as always thanks for listening want to support me for free just head on over to apple podcast or stitcher or pod chaser or cast box and leave me a five star rating and review need to contact me just email me housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com also don't forget to follow me on instagram for hilarious memes and all kinds of updates regarding the podcast that's at housewivesmarvelpodcast this is kendrick and i'll see ya Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
it's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.